uh, Pastor Minta <laughs> so much. I've known him since 1981, so sometimes I forget his real name because I call him Emma, and I will always call him Emma. He's my son, and I love him so much. Uh, Pastor Ben Larrier is not here yet, but we definitely want to honor Ben and Joyce for organizing this conference. They work all year long to make this happen. They put many, many hours of work and prayer and organization into making this happen. So we love them so much. Please show them your love and appreciation and support. Every day this week, I want you to find them and thank them and pray for them and just appreciate what they have done. As soon as this is complete and we have gone back to the States, they will begin planning for next one, next year. That's the way they do it. They start praying and organizing from day one. Amen. I bring you greetings from Texas. We're my home state. <laughs> I try really hard not to talk Texan when I'm here, so you will understand me. I bring you greetings from many people who have lived here and been here. Most of you don't know them, but Emma would remember uh, Marianne Cassidy. She brings you greetings. And David Smoot, who's been to Ghana many times. Some of you may know him. Uh, Lurie Danton. And my home church, Lakeshore Church in Rockwall, Texas, always prays for me when I come and my Sunday class. And they love you through me. They made it possible for me to come to Ghana this time through their offerings, through their prayers, through their encouragement. So thank you to Lakeshore Church, and I know all of you will appreciate that. I love social media now because I can put on there right now on Facebook what I am doing in Ghana, and one after the other of my friends, especially those in my church, will say, we're praying for you. We're praying for the people in Ghana. We're praying for the conference. And that's important. That's very, very special. Uh, because when we first came to Ghana, we didn't even have a phone, much less uh, internet or anything like that. So I, I have told the story to many of you. My husband and I met in Ghana as single missionaries. And the only way we could communicate back home was through the ham radio. And my husband actually proposed to me here, and then Emma probably remembers, we called my parents on the ham radio, and that's how my husband asked for my hand in marriage, was through the ham radio. <laughs> so things have changed through the years, but God has never changed, and he's so good to us. He's so good. It seems like God gets better every day that we serve him, but it's because we learn to appreciate him and love him more and more. I know that 
that maybe this conference, as we speak, as we share, you may become weary, you may become distracted. So feel free to stand and shake your hanky if you want to, or walk around if you get tired, or uh, stand and sing a song. We used to do that in, in Ghana when I lived here. Uh, someone would stand and, and sing a song, and that's okay. That's okay. Amen? You know, I was thinking before we came here, the fivefold ministry, the scripture says, is for the equipping of the saints. Is that right? But the fivefold ministry has to be equipped as well. Right? We all have to be equipped to do what God has called us to do, whether it's pastoring or teaching or whatever. And as we came this week to Ghana, the team from really all over the, the states, we all, we're all from a different place in America, we came to encourage you and to bless you and to fellowship with you and to challenge you. We don't have all of the answers, probably not very many answers, but God does through his word, through his scripture, and I'm going to share with you God's challenged us to have wisdom, and that's what God gives us to share with you. So feel free during this week, this conference, to fellowship with one another and with us and to just be a blessing one to another. Amen? Just be a blessing. Well, I forgot to mention that I bring you greetings from my children and grandchildren. Don't forget to ask me to show you pictures of my grandchildren on my phone. They're, they're my family. They're the most important ones to me. They're very small. The youngest one is three and a half, but my grandchildren are praying for their grandma while I'm here. They love me. They don't understand where Africa is, where Ghana is. They just know I had to get on an airplane and fly a long way to come here. And, and so they want me to hurry and come back home and bring them presents. But they love me and they love what I do because they love me. I, I wear the Ghanaian dresses when I come here. And last year, I sent pictures back while I was here. And my oldest grandson said, why doesn't she wear her own clothes when she's there? <laughs> because they saw me wearing my Ghanaian clothes. But Ghana was home to me for several years, and you are my family, and I, I love you very much. I just, I love all of you very much. And we have, in, in the family of God, we, we learn to love each other just because we're part of the family. I just met this sister recently. Well, I met her of, of maybe last year just for a moment. We don't really know each other, but we only spent yesterday and today together, and we already love each other very much, and we feel very connected because that's what the body of Christ does. It connects us. It, it makes us feel a, a true connection that we don't find out in the world. How many of you have the Word of God with you, either your Bible or like Pastor Eddie has it on an iPad or something? 
Okay, I want you to turn to Second Chronicles, and I want to read some scripture. It won't take me long to say what I have to say this morning, so just stick with me for a few minutes. I'm not a long-winded preacher, <clears throat> not that anyone else is. <laughs> Amen. Second Chronicles chapter 1, beginning with verse 7. At night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what should I give you? Wow, wouldn't you love it if God woke you up and said, what do you want? What do you want? And Solomon said to God, you have shown great and faithful love to my father David, and you have made me king in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David now come true. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people. For who can judge this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, since this was in your heart and you have not requested riches, wealth, or glory, or for the life of those who hate you, and you have not even requested long life, but you have requested for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are given to you. Wow. I will also give you riches, wealth, and glory, unlike what was given to the kings who were before you or will be given to those after you. So Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place that was in Gibeon in front of the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. I love this account of God granting wisdom to Solomon because we know the rest of the story. We know that he became the richest and most wise man of his time. We know that other leaders came to him and would ask questions of him and inquire of him because they knew he had greater wisdom than anyone. But he did not know at the time when God came to him and said, ask of me, what do you want? He did not know that God would give him the riches as well. He did not know that God would make him the wealthiest man in, in the world at that time. He did not know these things would happen. He did not have uh, ulterior motives when he said, God, just give me wisdom so I can be a great leader of these people that you have given me. Just give me wisdom so I can make the right choices. He did not know that all of these things would follow him. And yet, because of his humility, because he came to God and said, just give me direction. Show me how to be a man of God and make correct decisions. Then God blessed him in a greater way than he could have ever imagined. And he has been not just in the, in the word of God, but I think everyone knows about Solomon. I think the whole world knows who Solomon was and how he lived and how rich he was and how powerful he was. God gave him power because he humbled himself and said, I just want wisdom. I've encouraged you 
Every time I come to Ghana, I think, I encourage you to read the Proverbs, right? I, I think one year I said, uh, I read a proverb every day. So you go through the entire Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, every month, right? What's today? It's the 8th. So what proverb do you read? Proverbs 8. Actually, Proverbs 8, if I can say I have a favorite proverb, that would be the one. And it's specifically about wisdom. But the Proverbs, <clears throat> if you read through them every single month, every one a day, every month, <clears throat> you will see that most of the instruction, excuse me, I need a drink. Most of the instruction are about practical things. Because God knows that we have to live in this world and go day by day, really living in a practical sense, doing the same thing every day in practical relationships with one another, going to work, Driving in the traffic, traveling on the airplanes like we did, you know, sleeping, eating. All of these things we spend a lot more time doing than actually spiritual things. Although we are a spirit, so everything we do is spiritual. But our everyday lives are more practical than anything. And the Proverbs teach us about practicality. I like to read... Uh, Max Lucado's uh, teaching about Proverbs. And I just want to read you this one excerpt about what he teaches about, what he says about Proverbs. Max Lucado. Proverbs is a collection of lamps. Not spotlights that blind. Not bonfires that blaze. But lamps. Lamps that do for your heart what the lamps in your house do for your eyes. They chase away darkness. Isn't that good and practical? Proverbs 6.23 says, These commands are like a lamp. This teaching is like a light. And the correction that comes from them will help you have life. Reading Proverbs turns on the lamps in the dark corners of life. Listen to this. Corners such as foolishness, wisdom, pride, and humility, fear, insecurity, wealth, mercy, lust, diligence, laziness, prudence, anger, flattery, gossip, violence, and that's just a start. That's what Max Lucado wrote about Proverbs. And I love it because God uh, cares about our everyday situations in life. A lot of times we may think he just cares about our spirit man and all of the religious, spiritual things we do. You know, pray, go to church, preach, be nice to people, have the joy of the Lord. But I believe he cares about everyday things too. I believe he cares about uh, us having clothes to wear. The scripture says, 
You know, don't worry about your clothes and your food because I take care of the very birds of the air. But he cares about our children and grandchildren and their education and our provision and everything we can imagine. He cares about it. But he also puts a lamp so that we can have a light before us to go in the right direction. I want to go somewhere that I'm a bit nervous to say, but I'm going to. About two or three weeks ago, when I went through reading Proverbs again, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, I said, Lord, you know, the, the Proverbs has a lot to say about immorality. Why is that so? And you know what, what the Lord said to me? Well... And I said, the Proverbs has so much to say about adultery and fornication. Why is that? And he said, well, uh, you know, I just, but, but it has so much to say about lust and making, you know, foolish decisions about sexuality. Why is that? Well... I mean, God is saying we struggle in life, even as believers, with decisions, whether good or bad. And many times we fall into sin because we aren't walking in wisdom and listening to God and following his way. And unfortunately, the ministry has been a huge target for the enemy when it comes to adultery and fornication and making bad decisions for morality. The, the Proverbs warn us more about immorality than anything. And there's a reason for that. Because the enemy sets traps for us all day, every day, I won't give him any glory, but he sets traps for us to try to make us stumble and be not just a bad testimony to the world, but to destroy our families, our marriages, our ministry. He sets traps so that we will fall into that. And it happens all of the time. And there's got to be a way to avoid that. There has to be some way that we can prevent falling into these traps. Now, I know sometimes the enemy hits us hard, you know, always deliberately, and sometimes just all of a sudden. But most of the time, it's little bitty steps, little bitty things, just one thing at a time. I don't know any man or woman that just all of a sudden said, I think I will go cheat on my wife or my husband. It's usually just one bad decision. One little, one little decision at a time. Several years ago, my husband got a call from a, a dear, dear friend of his, one of his best friends that was pastoring in the States. Great man of God, great man of faith, doing all the right things. And he said, Mike, I'm calling to 
confess my sin to you and to ask for your prayer. He said, I was in a board meeting with my church. We were discussing a lady in our church that has fallen into sin. And God spoke to my heart and said, you need to come clean, young man. And he said, I confess to my board members and I'm confessing to you as my best buddy that I have committed adultery. He said, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to resign my church, whatever it takes. He admitted to it and never blamed anyone but himself. Mike was just in total shock. He never saw this coming from his dear friend. A few days later, he calls Mike back and says, I'm on the way to court for this incident. And Mike says, you have to go to court? Why do you have to go to court for this? Well, it was a 16-year-old girl. And I'm in big trouble. He went to prison for five years for having an affair with his 16-year-old girl because that is considered uh, a, a pedophile, yeah, a minor. As far as I know, he may be on a, a pedophile list now for the rest of his life. <clears throat> he paid a huge price for his bad choices. I don't know the story of how this happened. I don't need to. But more than likely, he was counseling her. It was just one little thought at a time. One little <clears throat> touch. One innocent, maybe. Obviously, they, they spent time alone. But he learned the hard way <clears throat> what happens when you make these bad choices and not let wisdom <clears throat> lead you and guide you. And I use his example because he's very open with it. He's, he's very ashamed, very repentant. But he uses his story to say, guys or gal, women, don't do what I did. Don't fall into a, a comfort zone of thinking, I am way past that. I will never do this. I will never do that. I will never commit this sin. I will never do something wrong. Because the enemy... If we have pride, spiritual pride, he can come in and use innocent, <clears throat> innocent things in our lives to make us complacent and to make us careless. And carelessness is very dangerous. Carelessness is what can cause us to make some bad choices. <clears throat> Proverbs 4.13 says, Happy is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. Wisdom is worth more than silver. It brings more profit than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you could want is equal to it. The scripture tells us to ask God for wisdom. Thank you so much. And wisdom is different from knowledge and information and intelligence. We are born with a certain IQ, intelligence, 
We can get knowledge by reading books, going to school, taking courses, whatever. You can get knowledge many, many ways. But the only way we get godly wisdom is by asking and submitting ourselves to God, and then he will give us wisdom, just like he did Solomon. It seems like from what we read about Solomon that it was an, a sudden impartation, but then it, it continued. He did make some bad decisions later on, but his wisdom, his request for wisdom was something that... <clears throat> guided him throughout his life and not only uh, protected and took care of himself, but everyone else that he had any contact with. And that's what's so important in serving God is that we affect other people that we communicate with, that we are a part of. So everything that is part of my life, affects my family and those that I am in fellowship with. Whether it's wisdom, what does Proverbs say the opposite of wisdom is? Foolishness. <laughs> and nothing is more frustrating than be, being around someone that's foolish. Because whatever choices they make, if you are with them, you fall into the, the same traps they do if you're following them. But you choose to follow someone that walks in wisdom and gain and learn from them. And just as Paul said, you know, he was a mentor to so many young ministers, to Timothy and different ones. And he would even tell them, follow after me and, and do what I do. Watch me because God is speaking to me and and giving me direction and information. Follow me. I'm sorry. <coughs> Please forgive my dry throat here. Follow me. And whatever I do, you can do. And that's... <sighs> That's what God wants us to aspire to do, is to seek God and his wisdom, his direction, so that we can say to others, follow me. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Obviously, God is our, our Lord. Jesus is the Savior, the one that we look to and the one that we follow. But he wants us, as the scripture says, to be examples to others. He wants us to live in a way that others will see and want to emulate us. How many times have you noticed when you were raising your children, they would do and say the same things you did? And sometimes you'd go, Oh no, did I really say that? Whew, that's not a good example. But then other times you say, oh good, I did teach them something right. I did do something that's right. Because they are watching you. In the case of our children, it's 24 hours a day. So they see what we do, they hear what we say, they follow our example if we tear down other people, what are they going to do? Probably do the same thing out loud to the person that they heard you tearing down, right? Because children are honest. 
They will say or do anything, anytime, place. But if they see us praying, if they see us blessing, if they see us walking in love, then many times they will choose that. They will follow our example. And God wants us to walk in wisdom, to choose wisdom, to make decisions that are pleasing to him for our own benefit, but also for others that are following after us. Now, we have a tendency to say, it's nobody's business. My life is my life. It's none of your business. But that's not true. It is just not true. We are responsible one to another. That's why the scripture teaches us in the body of Christ, you're to even confront one another. If you see a brother or sister fall into sin, if you know something, confront them in love. Talk talk to them, minister to them, love them, bless them. Don't condemn them and kick them out, but draw them in and try to bring healing and forgiveness and reconciliation because we are a body. We are not what we say lone rangers. We are not in this just for myself. And wisdom will give us something that the intelligence and information and knowledge cannot do for us because that can become very selfish. And I like the scripture that um, Pastor Eddie referred to in 1 Corinthians. Part of it says knowledge inflates with pride. And worldly knowledge can do that. And you become very competitive if you have worldly knowledge and even worldly wisdom. Uh, you become competitive in uh, taking exams. I made a higher score than you did. Or I uh, did better in this course than you did. Or I, uh, I got a better job and make more money than you do. Unfortunately, that can creep into the ministry. It can creep into the church, and we can become competitive. But God has not called us to compete with one another and to see who has the biggest church or who makes the most money or who has the people in their church who pay more tithe. He has called us to work together in unity and to share and to love each other and not compete. Godly wisdom will guide us into that way. Human knowledge causes competition and puffs up with pride. And scripture says pride comes before a fall. Whoa. That, that's, there's no gray area there. Pride com, comes before a fall. That's dangerous territory. And typically when someone is walking in pride, they're not submissive to correction. They've already gotten to the place where they won't listen to correction. Even loving uh, encouragement. So it's a very dangerous thing to walk into pride and walk in uh, earthly knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, I'm going to close with this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We can't earn wisdom. We can't learn wisdom. We can't work out wisdom. It only comes from asking of God. And the scripture says, ask of me and I will give you wisdom. And submitting ourselves in humility to God. And he, he downloads it into us. When we need it, where we need it, and continually will use us to make the right decisions for our lives. If we submit to him, wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. That means knowing who God is, acknowledging that he is God, he is Lord over our lives, and no one else can tell me What I am supposed to do, they can confirm it. But God directs me through his word. It's so important for us to know know God's word because we all say, I want to know God's will for my life. I need a word from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is the will of the Lord right here. And everything we say and do should confirm it. But if you want to know God's will for your life, this is his will. If you want a word from God, here it is. Lots and lots of pages. Lots and lots of uh, chapters. Lots and lots of books. Start with Proverbs. Because he will show you how to walk in the right way. He might, it, it might, no, I won't say it might be. It will be painful sometimes when you read these things. Say, Oh, did I really think that? Oh, did I really say that? Oh, did I really do that? Even when my children were small and I made a really bad decision for them, I would go to them and say, Gina, please forgive me because I did so-and-so out of anger or whatever. And she'd kind of laugh like, Mommy, you're asking me? For forgiveness, but I had to respect her and her feelings and her uh, value so that if I wronged her, especially in anger, you can discipline a child, I was responsible to even ask my small child for forgiveness. Now she is a grown woman, 31, and she knows how to be a good mommy, and how to discipline her children in love and in mercy and grace. Because I was able to humble myself to her, even a small child, and say, I messed up. I did wrong. Well, she knows her mom's not perfect, but sometimes when you really, really mess up, even with your children, Humility is so very important in the walk of believers. And trust me, it's more important as leaders. It's more important as uh, ministers, the fivefold, to be humble and to realize that we are real people. We are real. uh, We're not any better than anyone else. We have a higher standard to follow. The scripture says we need to be beyond reproach because we are an example to many more people than, than many times the, the church people. But we are also church people. We're here to, 
to bless, encourage, edify one another by walking in his ways. I just want to encourage you to read a proverb every day along with your other scripture reading. That's part of my morning devotion is a proverb. And ask God for wisdom. Not just knowledge and intelligence and information. Ask him for wisdom. And he will open up doors that you never even knew existed. He will take you places that you never even dreamed you will go to. He will help you to meet people, just as Pastor Eddie was sharing. He, d- he doesn't go to a restaurant, probably, and look around. Who can I go minister to? You know, Who can I go prophesy to? I have a word. You don't do that. He, he was sharing how just, just like that, the wisdom of God would drop in his heart and say, go to that person. Woo! Only God can do that, you know. Only God can give that kind of direction and wisdom. Okay, here they come. I'm at the end of my session, so I want Randy and Jamie to come on up here. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Jamie is new to our team this year, Randy. God bless you. <clears throat> Welcome. Welcome to Ghana. Please welcome Randy and Jamie Zeman. <clears throat> they just came in from where? <laughs> Baraboo, Wisconsin. I have never been there, but God has. Is it cold? Okay. We are so grateful they are here. I know you will be excited to meet them. So we'll be taking a break very soon. We'll have lunch. Uh, avail yourself of fellowshipping with anyone you can and blessing one another. It's so important to bless each other. Amen. Father, we just come to you with praise and thanksgiving. We're so grateful to be a part of the body of Christ. We're so grateful to be your children. We're so honored to be a part of the kingdom of God. We are just so privileged that you trust in us enough to to put your word in us, to even trust us with wisdom, to even trust us with your Holy Spirit, to trust us to accomplish what you've called us to do. So teach us, teach us to be open to listen to you and to receive from you. Give us, Lord, strength and energy this week. Many of us have traveled many miles from other countries. Help us, Lord, just to to be strong in you and to answer your call every single day to answer what you have called us to do. Thank you, Lord, for that honor. Bless us during this lunchtime and time of fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Emma.